I found my trailer and was heading out of Chicago. I was going about 25 miles an hour behind a pickup truck with a speedboat. And I'm looking down on it. I see cooler and life jackets. When we got going a little faster, the wind blew the inner tube out of the boat and it came back and slammed into the front of the tractor, which made a really ugly noise. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bob Neat. And I'm Terenji. And we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. Today's driver is Joseph Fair, a former cop, firefighter, and commercial truck driver. But before we meet Joseph, a little quick car keeping. Did you know that we record audio and video for our podcast? No. (laughs) (laughs) If you're interested in seeing our guests or watching their videos, check out the Drive With Us podcast YouTube channel. Yeah, we put short clips of the episodes on the YouTube channel, and then we have full clips available on the Patreon if you're interested in seeing the full video clips. Let's meet today's driver. Joseph Patrick Fair, father to college-aged twins, is a former commercial truck driver, retired police officer, and retired firefighter who served his community for over 25 years. After a near-fatal on-duty gunfight, he found his new path as a writer. Here's Joseph. Welcome, Joe, to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be on and to meet you. And I would like to add, I listen to your uh, podcast all the time. We're excited to have you on. Before we dive into your crazy driving experiences, tell our listeners a little bit about your driving background, your driving career, and where you are currently. I am currently retired, but over the last 30 years, I worked as a firefighter, a small town police officer, and a truck driver. My first driving experience was 14 My dad was trying to teach me how to drive a stick shift. It was actually called a Ford Pinto with a four-speed transmission, and I stalled it a bunch of times. And I loved driving when I first learned to drive, but the stick shift was tough. My dad yelled a lot, and uh, he said, if you wreck that clutch, you got to fix the cars. And went on to drive a lot of different vehicles in my lifetime, 18-wheeler, fire truck, police car, motorcycles. Had a lot of fun. You've been a firefighter and a police officer and a truck driver. In what order was your career (laughs) in those fields? I was afraid you'd ask that because it's pretty complicated. I had to go to the one that was paying me the most money. So actually, I worked a lot as a full-time police officer and a part-time truck driver. And then later in life, as a full-time firefighter and part-time police officer. So, and there were periods that overlapped, but yes, the majority of money I made was driving a truck full-time. What was it like driving an 18-wheeler and did you have any interesting on-the-road adventures? Yes. One of my first driving jobs was driving an 18-wheeler from West Michigan into Chicago. And if people know anything about Chicago, there is this thing called Lake Michigan, and it's behind, between Michigan and Chicago, and you have to drive under Lake Michigan, where about three highways come up together, I-94, 80-90, and a couple other highways all merge into about seven lanes going east and seven lanes going west. And when you get in an 18-wheeler and all the trucks are in the lanes going like this and the snow is blowing off of Lake Michigan, you can barely see. It's a pretty scary experience to drive an 18-wheeler in Chicago. I had to do it for about two years of my career. I was glad 
when I got onto a different driving job. Since you drove an 18-wheeler and then you went to a drive a fire truck, what was that transition like? Or did it make it easier to drive? It was much, much easier. When you're in commercial driving, the bigger the truck, more wheels, more weight, definitely more complications. Here in Michigan, we get slippery roads. I believe driving an 18-wheeler, it's fully loaded, is probably more complicated than driving a fire truck. Driving a fire truck is a straight vehicle, but operating a fire truck with a pumper and a ladder and a water tank and foam and medical equipment, uh, a lot to a lot of technical knowledge and training to operate a fire truck effectively. Has that ever affected your personal driving? Has it made it like have you been yeah. able to easily switch between the two? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think once you drive a emergency vehicle, you get a new perspective when you're in your own car and you're driving down the road and you hear a siren behind you or you see flashing lights coming the other way. You get really quick to get over in that right lane and make room for them because you know they're going to an emergency and they got to help somebody. <laughs> when you flip the coin around and you're in the fire truck and nobody will get out of your way and it's a pretty hot call and you hear on the radio maybe another fire truck has arrived and they're saying we need water right now. It is very frustrating to drive an emergency vehicle when people won't let you over. Once you get in your private vehicle, you tend to be really quick to uh, get over and get out of the way. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I never understood why some people, I don't know if they don't hear the siren or what. Sometimes I've seen like police officers are like right behind someone with their lights on, like move out of my way, but nobody's moving out of their way. It's like, uh, hello? <laughs> there are people that are driving and they're in the music and they're in their own head completely in, in the car. They're not looking around at the mirrors and all that stuff. And those are the people who don't move over very quickly. But yes, when you have to hit the air horn in the fire truck for people out there listening, when they hit the air horn at the intersection, that means somebody is not paying attention. In that situation, do you just blow the horn if someone isn't paying attention? Like if you're stuck behind a car that just won't move over, is that yeah, what the yeah. process is? There, there, there's a couple different processes when you come up to an intersection that's pretty busy and cars won't move over. There's what's called the S-turn maneuver where you slowly go out into the opposing traffic lane. If you see everybody stopped at the light and do an S-turn around through the intersection and the other method is to hit the siren, cycle it, and then pull the air horn a couple times to let people know coming into the intersection to stop. Emergency vehicle has request the right way, the right away in Michigan, I guess the law is you're requesting the right away. So you have to come up the intersection, make a full stop, look, request, and then proceed forward. What is the process like since you have been in both the firefighting field and police officer? What is the process like for responding to an emergency? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. What most people probably don't think about is that there is a ton of training that goes into both jobs. And then there's a ton of preparation. I had a friend that was gonna get into firefighting and I tried to explain to them, a big part of the job is to make sure the fire truck is prepared. When you get back from one call, you clean the fire truck, inspect all the equipment, check the lights, make sure the battery's fully charged. You do a whole bunch of stuff. So when the next call comes in, you're not panicked that you're gonna get your turnout gear on, you're in the fire truck and you're going to go. The second part, in my day before GPS, we spent a lot of time talking about when an address comes in 
to know where that address is in your community, what the cross streets are, where the nearest fire hydrant is. A lot of preparation. We went through a six-week course where they set up cones, actually behind the high school in the parking lot. We set up cones. We had to drive an S-pattern forward and backward with the fire truck and then sit through a classroom and learn about breaking distance, reaction time, and most of all, coming up to an intersection, hit the air brake, hit the horn, check both ways, and then proceed through. Pretty technical, a lot of training, a lot of preparation. If you had to put a number to it, how many accidents have you had to respond to and what was the severity in of those types of accidents? A lot of accidents. Over 25 years. It's a very good question. It sounds like I'm going to divert from the question, but what most people don't realize is that the fire truck rolls out of the firehouse a lot. And then of the calls, we have false alarms that we roll out on. Then we get part of the way and then somebody calls and says that's false alarm. We have hazardous conditions we roll out to. It's not a car accident. We may run code two to a response like that, but I would probably guess at least 300 calls that I can think of over a 14-year period running to calls for service, fire, EMS, and car accidents. EMS is about 70% of the total calls, trouble breathing, chest pains, bleeding, falls, stuff like that. What's the craziest, most funniest call that you've ever gotten? (laughs) (laughs) Probably the uh, strangest call that I got was sometimes you get multiple calls, multiple trucks are out running multiple. We had, it wasn't a tornado here in town, but it was straight line winds. And when that happens, electrical storm throws off fire alarms and you get wires down, all kinds of stuff. At one point, we had run two or three calls, got branches out of the road, sparking wire, whatnot. And then we got a call to go out to the highway and pull another fire truck out of the intermediate because he tried to do a U-turn and the gravel wasn't very packed and it rained really hard and the fire truck got stuck. So we went out with a strap and we pulled the other fire truck that was stuck on the highway back onto the pavement so it could continue to run calls. That was probably the strangest thing that I ever got dispatch to was to rescue another vehicle that was stuck. (laughs) Firefighter rescuing a fire truck. (laughs) It happens on a very rare occasion and it was a very unusual day. And I think that day we had 10 or more calls stacked in the 911 system. And I think they were trying to make a maneuver to cut off one call and not have to go up to the exit. I don't know if you would have advice in this situation, but if you are on the road and you either see something crazy happening on the road or you get stuck in a terrible weather condition, what are some ways to keep yourself safe in that situation? What should you do to prevent anything from happening? I would say in a car, you should probably have emergency kit with flares, blanket, water. When you're on the road, what you really got to do is stay in communication with people, have your cell phone charged. And I would not advise people to stop on the side of the road when they see something unusual. I would advise people to dial 911, let the police officer go out, do a size up. There is a rare occasion, maybe if I saw a little kid out next to a car and on the expressway, I might jump out just to stop what could happen. But most of the time you see something like that, dial 911, give them a good address, mile marker on the highway, 
proceed forward. But in Michigan, we have snowstorms in West Michigan by Lake Michigan. We're in a snow belt and we probably get more 911 calls out on the expressway than the average person. Switching over to the police officer side, have you ever been in any police chases or had to answer to any hit and run calls? Yeah, interesting question. Police chase, I would like to put a caveat that if you drive a police car and you work long enough, eventually you activate the lights and people don't stop. What you see on Hollywood is usually a high-speed chase, which are pretty rare. More often, somebody is seven blocks from their house and their mom has the bail money. (laughs) So they just proceed slowly to get in the driveway to not get the car towed and to get the bail money from their mother. But yes, I have been in a few high-speed chases. It is really scary. When the roads are wet, it adds a whole nother element to braking and going around corners. So now that we heard a little bit about your professional driving background, let's dive into your crazy driving experiences. What is one of your top three craziest things that you've experienced on the road? When I was younger, I might have been the kid that drove a little aggressive in a sports car and challenged the speed limit a few times. Later on, when I grew up a little bit, I started becoming a much more responsible driver and was much more safe. But probably the craziest thing was I was riding a motorcycle. I was new to riding motorcycles. I had got caught in a rainstorm. I was trying to get home. It was actually pretty cold. I came up to a intersection on the road with the railroad tracks and they were not square to the road. They were more like a V and new to a motorcycle. I went over the railroad tracks when they were wet with a little more throttle than I should have gave the motorcycle, which caused the back tire to pop out a little bit. And I caused the motorcycle to fall over and bruise my knee and gravel in my elbow and was really embarrassed. (laughs) But learning to ride a motorcycle is a, there's a learning curve there. And I think most people spill in the gravel or a railroad track or something like that between the time they start riding a motorcycle till they get good at it. Were there a lot of people around when that happened? Or is it just like, oh, nobody saw that. Nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) You knew. You knew, didn't you? You knew. Yes, I had a couple of buddies that were following behind me in a pickup truck. And they did see it. And they laughed. They helped me pick the motorcycle up and get home. So I have to thank them for that. But quite embarrassing to slip on your motorcycle right in front of your buddies. Yeah, they probably never let you live it down either. They have reminded me, and that was 40 years ago, and a few of them probably would still remind me today if I ran into them. What is your second most craziest thing that you've experienced? At one point when I was driving the truck, I had a friend tell me that driving a gasoline tanker was the way to make a lot of money driving. And I was not completely excited about driving a gasoline tanker, but eventually looked around the internet, found a job, and decided to drive it. And I can tell you, it's really complicated, really dangerous, but it pays really well. (laughs) The technical part about this is on a gasoline tanker, if you're driving the really large one, they call a super tanker, it holds 140,000 gallons of fuel, usually regular unleaded, super unleaded, and diesel fuel. has five different compartments. It will typically have six axles on the trailer, and three axles on the tractor. So you have nine axles and 40 wheels on the ground. What makes it really interesting is that it won't go around a corner with all the axles down. 
you have the axles down when it's loaded so it doesn't tear up the pavement. But when you come up to a corner, you got to time it right and you got to do all your braking. And then you have to hit the tag axles, which lift two axles in the front and two axles in the back of the trailer so it will get around the corner. Probably the toughest thing I ever did in commercial driving was driving a gasoline tanker, getting it situated at the gas station, unloading it, getting it loaded. When you first start to drive a gasoline tanker, you're a little freaked out. And then the first couple times you go around a corner, you start to make a turn and it just stops. Lots of ugly noises, lots of screeching, lots of shaking. And then you say, the axles are down. I will have to stop, flip the axles up. There's airbags that lift the axles up, take off back around the corner. But the 18-wheeler, well, it's a 40-wheel vehicle. Nine axles in a snowstorm in Michigan is super challenging. If you park it in the wrong spot and the trailer and tractor are at the wrong angle, when you stop to go to take off, you don't have enough traction to get the trailer rolling. You have to stop it like that. So there was a learning curve. Had a lot of fun, made decent amount of money, woke up one day and said, I don't want to drive a gas tanker anymore. Too dirty of a job and too challenging. And the thought of a catching fire, too much for me. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially, I didn't know that you had to lift axles in order to even turn the truck like that. They, they make a regular tanker that has two axles on the back and three axles on the tractor. But that can only haul about, I think it's 9,000 gallons of fuel. Then they make a super tanker. And if you're like delivering to gas stations, you go to the terminal, fill up the tanker, then you go to five gas stations. If you're doing that type of job, you got to drive a super tanker. And you also got to remember to unload the back of the tanker before the front of the tanker. Because if the weight is off, the axle will not get traction to take off also. So you got to load it properly. You got to go to the right gas stations in the right order. You got to unload it properly. And then you got to stop it pretty much straight arrow, get it rolling, and then turn it. Otherwise, the truck will not take off. And all super tankers, the front two axles and the back two axles come up off the ground when you go around a corner. And then they have to be back down to spread the weight out on the road. If there's anybody out there that drove a gas tanker, they completely understand that it's super technical. It does pay a lot of money. It should pay a lot of money because it's, it's a tough job. Yeah, it's so complicated. It definitely should pay for all <laughs> should, that you have to pay. know. I can only imagine what it's like driving that on the highway. Personally, when I'm driving and I'm near any kind of 18 wheeler or any kind of large truck I'm like I'm just gonna stay away but then there's those people who like drive right next to it for really long and I'm like I'm so scared that the truck driver is gonna like move over yeah there is one other factor not to get people paranoid but when the truck is fully loaded on the highway and there is an uneven surface like they're patching the road the front axle of the trailer sometimes will get caught in a rut and it will squirt the truck around in the lane and the person next to you will think that you're trying to run them off the road. It'll freak them out. And that part of driving a heavy truck with all the axles on a road that's not well-maintained will just rattle your nerves. Since you have been on the road a lot in different types of vehicles, I'm sure you encountered all types of drivers on the road. How would you describe the types of drivers in, in the state that you're in or other areas that you have been in? I am a patient driver. When I get in the vehicle, some people probably realize this. When you drive a commercial truck, you're going to be in there for 10 hours a day. There's no reason working yourself up. Sometimes you're getting paid by miles. Sometimes you're getting paid by the hour. So it's not 
advantageous to speed. I tried to drive slow, get in the right lane, set the cruise control on, and let all the crazy people go by me in the left lane and laugh a little bit. On occasion, you're going 62 and somebody goes by you at 90 miles an hour. Makes you seem like you're standing still. I have seen a lot of poor driving. I've seen a lot of cars skid off the road while I was driving. Seen a few high-speed chases go by. One came back to me here that I had forgot about. This was around 2008. I was driving to Chicago, and I got to Chicago one day, made it to the terminal, found my trailer, and was heading out of Chicago. was going about 25 miles an hour behind a pickup truck with a speedboat. And I'm kind of guessing they were in Chicago, went out on Lake Michigan, was having some fun, was driving home probably. At certain times, traffic slowed down. I'm looking down on it. I see cooler and life jackets. And when we got going down the road, it opened up, got going a little faster. Eventually, the wind blew the inner tube out of the boat. And it came back and slammed into the front of the tractor while I was going down the highway. And it was a pretty interesting accident to explain to my safety manager at the trucking company that a tube flew out of the back of the boat. It didn't do a lot of damage to the truck. But I got out, took pictures with my cell phone, and probably the strangest thing that I've seen out on the highway. There was enough straps on the tube so that one of the loose straps got in the front tire and yanked it into the suspension of the truck, which made a really ugly noise. Yeah, that is a really strange thing to have to call in and be like, yeah, I got in an accident. It's a tube. (laughs) (laughs) The only major damage to the truck is that there's a little temperature sensor underneath the bumper to tell the fan to come on and off in an 18-wheeler when you're sitting in traffic that the fan runs on an electric circuit. And the tube came up underneath there, got pulled by the tire, and it ripped the wires out of the temperature sensor. It didn't damage the bumper. It didn't damage the grill of the truck. It just made the truck overheat because the fan wasn't working. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but how would you describe yourself as a driver? And would you say that your family and friends would agree with your driving? I'd classify myself as a very patient driver, very professional driver. Went close to uh, a million and a half miles in my lifetime without an at-fault accident, so I'm a pretty good driver. My kids like to insult me by saying that I drive like a grandmother, and I could take that as an insult, or I could say that I'm really safe when I'm driving a car. I'm really looking out for other people's safety and trying to do the right thing. I think when you do it as a profession and it becomes your paycheck, you get really serious about looking real far ahead and watching a light turn yellow and braking early and all that. But my kids call me a slow driver and they say, if you're ever going to have an accident, it'll be because somebody runs in the back of you. Well, it's better to be safe and slow as opposed to racing down and you don't have control of your vehicle. (laughs) Correct. I've never run in the back of any vehicle ever, and all the driving I've done, I haven't had a speeding ticket since 1988. I don't know. That's 30-some years ago, right? I haven't had a speeding ticket, so I'm obviously driving safely. Do you have a driving pet peeve? Is there something about other drivers that really irks you? Probably this thing about not using your turn indicator changing lanes. That is the one that I see people do that, and I say they're flirting with trouble. Someday, statistically, if you're doing a lot of lane changes on the highway and you're never using the turn indicator, you're 
create a situation that could be a bad accident. But as a commercial driver, you try to watch people and you maybe see a pattern of somebody that just doesn't use a turn indicator. And then you may just decide to slow down and let them get miles ahead. But yes, use your turn signals on the highway, check your lane, flip your turn signal on, move over, shut it off. Otherwise you could have an accident. Or there's those people that will change lanes and then turn on their indicator after they've already (laughs) changed lanes. (laughs) And you're like, well, thank you. And there's people who will turn on, move over to the right, and then they'll just leave it on and drive down the road for two or three miles. And you know that they forgot to turn it off. But yes, turn indicators. Use them properly and try to pay attention when you're on the highway. People are moving fast. And get out of the way. Get over in that right lane. If you're going slow, get in that right lane. If you're going fast, get in that left lane. But pick one and stay in one. Don't go back and forth. So switching gears a little bit, let's go back to when you first started driving. How would you describe your test driving experience? I went to driver's training. I was super excited about going to driver's training. I was 15 years old. That was a long time ago. Jimmy Carter might have been president. No, that was a long time ago. Yes. I was super excited. I went to the Secretary of State, took my road test. Everybody told me that the guy, if the guy fails you, it'll be because you pull up the stop sign and you don't stop behind the white line. That's the thing that this guy failed people for. So got my mom's Cadillac, went down Secretary of State, came up to the white line, stopped about four feet behind the white line, completely looked over at the guy, inched up, looked both ways, turned right, and he said, go back to the office. And he signed a little thing and handed it to me. So I didn't have a long test because I had uh, good knowledge of what he was looking for. I know you touched on this a little earlier, briefly, of the fire truck driving test. How was that compared to a typical driving test? It was pretty challenging. There was a whole bunch of stuff that we would go into a classroom, and then they would explain, and then we'd go out into a parking lot, and then we'd practice, and then we'd go back to the classroom, and he would explain what you did right and what you did wrong, and then there would be the discussion about you're a public servant, we have high standards. If you don't pull up just the right distance to the fire hydrant, you could get out and have the hose six inches too short. And at that point, you're not getting any water. Then you got to back the fire truck back up to get the hose on. And there could be a house on fire. And that extra minute could make a huge difference in the fire. So there was a painstaking process. And I believed at the time they went over things too many times. But we went over and over Saturday after Saturday until... You were precise, parking the truck, the distance to the fire hydrant, knowing where the equipment was, positioning it close to the fire, but not too close where it could collapse on the fire truck. I believe the school went six weeks long and it was pretty tough. It was pass or fail. You had to know everything or you couldn't drive the truck. So might have took two attempts. Is there a time limit in between if you were not to pass the first time that you had to wait before you could go back and do it again? In my case, it was quite a long time ago and you would have had to wait six months until the new module came up and the state did a new criteria and then you would have to sign up for that class and then you would have to go through that class again. So six months or a year till it cycled back through and we had a training if you didn't get it. So there was some pressure. It's definitely not like just regular driving test where you can like, there's room for error or you can get a couple points off and you can still pass. I believe, 
uh, don't don't quote me on this, but I believe that at certain points where you back the fire truck through, between the bumper and the orange cone was four feet on each side, and then you're articulating the truck. So you really had to pay attention, and you really had to practice. There was room for error, but there was a low margin for error, and they gave you multiple temps. But if you couldn't get the truck through the course in time, you waited six months and you practiced and did it over. It makes sense in a way that if you are in an emergency situation, you need to be able to do it the first try as opposed to like sitting there going over and over. So out of the three driving careers, the firefighter, police officer, and truck driver, which one was your most favorite? Well, I really love driving the fire truck and being a firefighter. It is probably the most rewarding job you could have in your lifetime. If you are an adventurous person, the fire truck gives you endless opportunities to learn. There's incredible amount of equipment on a fire truck from the pumper, the jaws of life, the heart start, the oxygen, it goes on and on. So to be a firefighter, to have a fire truck, it's untouchable. It's completely untouchable. Let's dive a little bit into the future of driving. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars, and is this something that you would be comfortable with? I just watched the Waymo YouTube yesterday after your video. (laughs) I was watching a couple of episodes of yours, and I watched the Waymo, and the guy jumps in the back of the van, and there's no driver in there. And Waymo is a company that's owned by Google, and they've been working on self-driving, much like Elon Musk at Tesla has been working on self-driving. I don't know a lot about artificial intelligence, but I do know if you have a good enough computer and you have good enough sensors, eventually the computer should be able to drive better than a human being. So level five autonomy in a self-driving car that has all the data from the past mistakes. There was a Tesla going on the highway and a semi-truck went in front of it and it was pretty white and the contrast wasn't there, and the sensor, the LiDAR or camera didn't pick up the semi, and it ran into it. When you get enough data, I believe the self-driving could be safer than the human, and I believe we're approaching that at some point, but I would be more comfortable with a car driving than a human, except when it's super icy or super cold. Snowstorms, ice, something like that, you need the human. Any other time, put the robot in there let it drive the car. Probably, if I had to guess, three years from now, Tesla will have it figured out. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I would jump into it right away. <laughs> like right now, I would want to wait and see a little bit. I also know that they are, I think, also starting to make self-driving semi-trucks. Tesla does have one of those and electric-powered and hydrogen-powered self-driving truck and I believe it is the way of the future and there are trucking jobs where it's line haul from say one spot on the highway to another town on the highway say Detroit to Chicago and the truck's basically driving a straight line or in a lane without a lot of congestion that probably will be automated at some point but local delivery driving where you had to load and unload the truck like the Pepsi or Coke guy I think you're always going to have a human operating a delivery truck. Bonus question time. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. You're going to ask me the embarrassing question, right? (laughs) If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Probably this thing about driving 90 in Wyoming. I've never done it, but I hear there's places out west where you can drive like 90 miles an hour 
And the average person is probably not have the skill to do that. 70 is a pretty good universal thing in the United States, but 90 or even 90 in a commercial truck is probably too unsafe. I would, I've never been out there to see that application, but I would say cap it at 70 and cap commercial trucks at 62. Yeah, we've also never driven out west, so like East Coast, it's like 70 is the max <laughs> that yeah, we've seen. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts or any advice that you would give to drivers that are listening right now? When you first start driving, you need to have your mind on the fact that it's uh, driver's training teaches you the principles, but you need the experience to get good at driving. And you should probably drive super safe till you have a lot of experience three, four years. At some point when you drove for like 10 years, you could probably drive and relax. But when you're a new driver, you got to drive slow and brake early. Yeah, I feel like when you're a new driver, though, at least I've noticed with some new drivers, you're so excited that you just go for it as opposed to thinking about what, what could be the consequences of those actions. Enthusiasm. Yes, correct. When you finally get the freedom to get out of the house and drive, you drive with enthusiasm and it's probably good to get away from everybody else while you're trying that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we let you go, I know you have a book that just came out. Where can our listeners find you? Yep. To Die Hero, End of Watch 1. Easiest place to find it is on Amazon. If you just put in To Die Hero or you put in author Joseph Patrick Fair, that will get you to me. If you want to talk to me, probably the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Joseph Fair, send me a friend request and a direct message, and I will try to get back to you. I get a lot of interaction on social media, but I try to get back to people. It's been my pleasure to be on here. You have a wonderful podcast, and uh, if you ever want to have me back on, I'll come right on. I feel like these past couple of episodes, I've been saying I learned something new each time, and Again, I'm going to say I learned so much. So it's about, a wealth of wealth of knowledge. I learned so much about life as well, a little bit about police officer. We didn't dive too deep into that since we ran out of time, but about life as a police officer, a firefighter, and even a truck driver, like there's so many things I didn't realize. Like I know driving a truck has need skill. <laughs> I just didn't realize all the things that went into being a truck driver, especially like a gasoline tanker driver. Is that a word? Is that how you say it? Gasoline tanker driver? But <laughs> it was so interesting to hear about the different professions from Joseph and the behind the scenes of each job. And it surely made me have, I always had appreciation for those, the people who work in that field, but it just made you have a bigger appreciation for police officers, firefighters, and even truck drivers. Like, can you imagine having to control such a big vehicle while also navigating roads filled with crazy people? Like crazy drivers. <laughs> I know it'd be crazy enough just driving on an open, empty road. Like he was saying, if you hit one tiny little divot in the road, the truck will start swerving a little bit and then you'll freak out everyone around you thinking that you're trying to run them off the road, but you're not. You're all being awesome and stopping the truck from swerving and staying in your lane. And it's like now when I see a truck driver, it's like, oh, hats off to you for staying in your lane. Exactly. I was driving next to one the other day and I'm like, okay, maybe their like trailer going like, this is not their fault. Like, you know, I have a different way of looking at it now, which, yeah. which is nice to know the behind the scenes to understand what they're going through. We hope you enjoyed listening to Joseph's driving stories. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Peter, the owner of Discovery Map International.
a map making company. It sounds <laughs> like, like an, an ad. ad. <laughs> I was like, but, I just sounded like an ad. <laughs> yeah, she read it like an ad. He shared with us about the time he was hanging from his seatbelt as his truck flipped over, and he also got stuck because a mountain was moving. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review on Podchaser. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you all next week. I got a phone message from my mother on the voicemail was in a panic. She said that she'd found ice, flat ice, and was unable to, to gain any traction. And she was off the side of the road and we were having a light snowstorm at the time. I turned onto that road that she was on and just as I did, it finally occurred to me that we were on a sheet of ice and, and I had no control over the vehicle at all. And as soon as the two right wheels on the truck left the pavement, the truck immediately just flipped over on its roof.